0: What's brewing at the Culinary Academy at Blue Ridge Community and Technical College podcast? We are just two chefs chewing the fat about all things food related with insightful and casual conversation in a lighthearted manner. We will invite guests every so often to join us at our table, such as chefs, industry professionals, students, and anyone who is a food enthusiast. So kick back and wrap your paws around your favorite beverage, or as you are, our guests, for the next 30 minutes or so, maybe a little bit more this time, you never know, uh, and we hope you savor the experience. All right, so here we are back at episode five. I
1: know. I feel right? like I'm in a Star Wars trilogy or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, so you're gonna hear a lot of uh, random noises as well because there's gonna be more people here. It's not just, <laughs> not just uh, you know, Chef Mary and myself and, and Joel. We have a guest today, and, uh, and that guest is going to be former bigwig at the other NRA, which is Kevin Scott, and uh, he's going to talk and chat with us in a little bit uh, in a segment down the road. But um, let me just introduce myself, because I am your, your host, Chef Steve Weiss, uh, Associate Dean of Hospitality and Culinary Arts at Blue Ridge Community and Technical College, and also our host, I she—I can't even put co in front of it because she's actually, <laughs> she should be a host as well. So we're going to make her a host too. <laughs> Chef Miriam Amen. Conroy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Chef Miriam Conroy, culinary chair and instructor extraordinaire uh, here again. at the Academy. Uh, and she is our co-host here for the show. And last but not least, our producer, Joel Heslop. Yes? Yeah. yeah. Joel. Yeah, and Joel Joel's going to chime in here and there. <laughs> Joel is, uh, we're all... Let's say he, he handles everything. <laughs> Joel is is our... The back end here. Yeah, he's he's our producer slash our sound editor or, you know, everything that needs to happen before it goes on air. He does everything for us, so... When, uh, when we
2: started the podcast, I said, how much do you want me involved on the microphone? And they're like, oh, if you have banter, you know, you want to add something. And I'm like, all right, and then it's kind of grown as we've gone. <laughs>
1: Right. You should probably vet all your jokes too, <laughs> or mine for that matter. Right.
0: And we, yeah, and we've all, we, we've grown, we've grown here. So we're in a, we're in a studio of four. So we're actually not two, we're actually four today. So yeah. there may be a lot of, a lot of talking going on. Let's hit our next segment. So the topic of the week, our topic of the week is our guest of the week, which is Kevin Scott. Right, and like I said before, he's our former bigwig from the NRA. Uh, we don't really know what Kevin's doing right now. Maybe he can <laughs> chime in on what what's going on. But um, he has uh, many travels in food safety, and he can um, he could tell us what's what's going on in food safety. He's he's been almost everywhere in the world. Mm. Haven't you? Haven't you?
1: Well, you know, you bring it up that way. I actually <laughs> have only been to about a, a quarter of all the countries in the world, but that's still a good number. That, that's, it is. That's a good stretch. stretch well traveled.
3: Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: Right. Kevin's actually going to be our SurfSafe uh, online instructor this fall, so we're bringing him on. Uh, so he's not just coming in to talk about others about you know his travels, but he's mm-hmm. also here to talk mm-hmm. about um, you know, or I'll actually introduce him to to the community as our new. Uh, actually returning surf Safe instructor. He actually yeah. t- used to t- teach for us online. Oh, not online. In person. In person, yes. Yeah, in live person. and in person. Live and in person. person. Back in the day before COVID, before the times of COVID. Yeah. And now... Um, now we're gonna be zooming now. Whatever we use here. Now I don't scared. know anything. Yeah, yet, Zoom so. zoom is the way. Yeah. I like I like Zoom, 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 zoom yeah. To save Mandalorian. Zoom. Zoom is the way. <laughs> well,
3: welcome back, Kevin. We are very yeah. lucky to have somebody of your caliber and quality to well, teach ourselves safe. Eh?
1: Chef Miriam, thank you. It's a it's a it's a pleasure to be here with everybody and and I do want to address the big wig thing <laughs> because I feel pretty small sitting next to the star of Netflix Is It Cake. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean the one of the most oh, stream shows. In the universe, you know, when it was on TV, not to mention, what, seven or eight, nine times? How many times you were on the Food Network? Oof, too many times. Until he finally won one, and we couldn't call him Susan Lucci anymore. Right. <laughs> yes. But my well, very good friend, Steve Weiss, uh, that I met when he first got here, and he's probably regretful of that to this day.
2: Well, I, I think I've told Steve this already, Kevin, but when we first, my baby's now three months old. And ah, when congratulations. Our first, like, couple weeks of the baby being born— it's just a blur and so we just have tv and things running and my wife had put on is it cake on the tv and i'm just like in a blur like two in the morning like rocking the baby i'm like Oh, what's up, Steve? You know, on the, t- <laughs> on the television. Yeah.
0: So it was just funny, you know, one of those things. You're like,
2: oh, hey, Steve Steve did mention that. Yeah. The
0: silent assassin. It's, <laughs> it's the new Teletubbies for kids. I'm, I'm
1: still a little upset, though. I've been looking for, like, an MC gig like that. And I was yeah. thinking that my man could swing some Wasta, as they say, in the Middle East and get me over there. You know? so, so you kind of had a question, too, about how many countries, right? Yes. So r- roughly 45, 46 yeah. offshore destinations. And I call them that because not all are countries. So Guam and Saipan are technically part of the United States, yeah. but it's still a haul to get there. Yeah, right. So, so most of those forty-plus countries and a half a dozen offshore destinations still yeah. affiliated with the Just United States. Just to be States. accurate here, we don't want to get <laughs> fact-checked by anybody. Yeah, there. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah,
0: so. Well, can you give us a can you give us a little bit of insight into uh, the food f- food safety practices in those countries? All I can sum it up real quick is that um, you know.
1: As food safety training and certification goes, and actually just the entire food system with transparency and all the things that are even happening to today, the United States really leads the world. Hmm. Um, there are certainly other good places in the world for food safety. I mean, Europe has pretty high standards as mm-hmm. well, of course. Yep, very. Um, their approach is different. Not saying it's better, it's worse, it's different. Yeah. The U.S., uh, Basically has, though, probably one of the better systems and it keeps improving it. There's a lot of things coming down the pike with what we call traceability. Mm -hmm. And it's part of the FISMA, Food Safety Modernization Act, that passed about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And they're now starting to kick into gear. This is how long these things take, you know, 10 plus years later, it'll be 2026. The ability to have better announcements to the public when there is a recall issue. Oh. yeah, because most times now when anybody gets a recall issue, it's like, we used that stuff weeks ago, months ago, right, um, Exactly, yeah. Et cetera. And most of it is what you would just call due diligence and and being um, transparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was never a big deal. I heard a story coming in, uh, listening to the radio coming in on the car today uh, about a baby formula recall. Mm-hmm. And it turns out they actually, even though they found the problem, somehow some of it got shipped out. However, none oh. of none of the product that got shipped out through spot testing. Uh-huh. And when they pulled the lots and found them, has run into any problems. It was a bacterial yeah. issue. So, so right,
3: but w- you cannot d- do anything else but recall the entire line.
1: No, you have to. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I mean, that, that is the only thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's better safe than sorry. I mean, the, the good news with food safety, um, the numbers on food safety are pretty interesting because roughly about 3,000 people in the U.S. each year die from foodborne illnesses. Mm -hmm. Many of those folks are high risk groups, the very young, the very old, those with compromised immune systems. Mm -hmm. We don't diminish life. Every life's important, especially when it's yours or your your loved ones. But if you look at that statistically, it's pretty, it's pretty solid for safety. Like, you know, there's a far more people that die doing other things, driving a car, things like that. So, the big issue with food safety beyond we, we want a perfect game, so to speak, right. is morbidity. And that morbidity uh, is how many people get sick, the cost of that to them personally, the cost of that to the companies that were involved in it, the cost of that to everybody. And that's really what about that's what the improvements in the overall system are looking at now is how do we lower that number? Because it's roughly $48 million documented foodborne illness cases a year right in the u.s and that sounds like a lot but then again (laughs) 330 plus million people eating three squares and mid rats as we called midnight rations in the military a day Uh yeah um you know that's a lot of numbers though Mm -hmm. that 48 million fits under yeah globally the number is about a million people a year but our documentation of that is still kind of sketchy in a lot of countries Mm -hmm. so it It, could be a lot more
0: is there any truth to um that that folks get, there's more foodborne illness that's that's generated in the home than in restaurants.
1: You know that's always a, a big debate because we know about the restaurants because they get they basically are part of a foodborne illness outbreak, which is defined by the FDA and the laws of the states that write the laws after the FDA publishes what's called the food code. That's based on documented cases of two or more people. Mm-hmm. Getting the same illness after eating the same food is documented by lab testing and an investigation. So there's probably, who knows? I mean, you know, there might be a model for that. But remember, all models are wrong no matter what they're looking at. However, they can give us useful info. There's probably, I mean, there's a probably a ton of foodborne illness that happens in the home that just never it's will documented. ever get reported. When I, when I teach the food safety class, the serve safe class, and we go through the pathogens, the big six, as we call them right now, four bacteria, the two viruses, I always say, has anybody ever had a case of one of these? And I said, pretty much raise your hand, everybody, because you probably have, you just didn't even know it, unless you have the cast iron stomach from God and you've <laughs> never been sick a day in your life. I mean, yeah. I went through an E. coli case in my late 20s. And it, yeah. was, it was not a lot of fun. Oh. Yeah. So that, for a very young or very old person, would be... Yeah, devastating. Devastating. Yeah. It's yeah.
3: one of the most fundamental things that we teach uh, in the Culinary Academy is the responsibility that each person working in the kitchen has to the customer yeah. and to make sure that the products they're putting out are as safe as possible.
2: Yeah,
1: I've been known to say this quite a few times. There is only, there is one rule in the food business. It has to be safe. Yeah. Beyond That's that, really yeah. I mean, what one person can't get enough of, another person wouldn't touch. Yeah. That's true. You know? So, I mean, so the food, food business is loaded with choices is where, is yeah. where I like to leave it. But it has to be safe to eat.
0: Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and again, what Blue Ridge does, what I know these folks do, because I've been associated with them and worked with them. Um, You know, before you get into the kitchen, before you get working, you have to show some level of um, competency on basic food safety stuff. And it all starts with washing your dang hands. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's it. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, and that will eliminate a majority of the problems.
3: Yeah. Yeah, the only thing is making sure that they wash their hands for as long as they're supposed to.
2: Right. It's not not just a quick (laughs) leg.
1: Exactly. So
3: (laughs) I tell them, sing happy birthday to yourself twice. Yeah. Right. Just sing happy birthday to me, right? And then you go through and you make sure that you get in between your fingers, you get under your nails, you get the backs and up your arms. Yeah. So, yeah. Like a surgeon.
2: Yeah, I think one of the the, the good uh, effects of COVID was that people like actually learned how to wash their hands correctly, because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it was it was so uh, in you know imparted to us over and over again. Wash your hands, mm-hmm. okay. The happy birthday, ABCs, like give yourself something in your head to know, like okay, not just. The palms of your hand and you're good, you know. In the fingers, in the fingernails, pretty much. Up the the arms, the critters, Joel. Oh yeah,
1: they're looking for the fingernails and the and the gaps between your fingers. That's where the critters like to hang. Oh yeah.
3: Yeah, and people think if they've sanitized, then that's enough, and it is not. You really have to do the whole soap thing, the whole detergent, the whole hand washing thing.
0: Yeah,
1: and really, the hand sanitizer is not necessary if you do the proper hand washing. Right. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's that's that's the number one defense, and personal hygiene is the number one cause of foodborne illness. Poor wow. personal hygiene, the lack thereof. Right. There yeah. Go. Right. You know.
3: Yeah. People don't even think that um, they're working on something and they they get something on their apron, and then they move to a new task. Mm-hmm. It's the apron's contaminated. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to be conscious of that. Change your apron. Change your gloves. Yeah, you know, wash hands between tasks. All those kind of things add up.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Spot on. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's something to say about that, and uh, you know, maybe maybe people should just wear gloves in the house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that glove thing. That's a whole other segment we need to have is about the glove thing. (laughs) Let's let's just leave that. Well, we go through quite a bit. Well, and and again, the gloves help, but you know, the studies that have been done show. Mm unless everything is reinforced with the proper hand-washing techniques and when to change gloves and when to wash hands and blah, 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 is that gloves give people a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. And and I, for one, am the guy that when I'm in the retail store deli, I won't mention names, Mm -hmm. and I see somebody walk out from the back or somewhere else and I don't know what they've been doing, the one thing that most of them don't do is wash their hands before they put the gloves on. Mm -hmm. And that's the point right there. Right, yeah. And when they do, I thank them. Yeah. And when they don't, I don't get worried about it because I grew up on a farm and, you know, I know our immune systems need to be challenged and spiked yeah, yeah. every day. So, and I'm pretty healthy.
0: Yeah, man. How many bugs do we unknowingly eat? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, I mean, as a farm boy, sixth generation farm boy here growing up and digging around in the wagon as my uh, grandfather or dad was harvesting corn or soybeans and, you know, that's dumping into the wagon or the truck and I'm in there just rooting all around and having fun. And boy, I tell you what, it was uh, bugs. bug Central. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So and there is an approved level of how many parts per million of bugs you can have in your I, peanut yes. butter. <laughs> yes, that's crazy. Well, you know, they're talking about us eating bugs now, right? right. Protein, so, protein. Man, protein. I think yeah. I'll have my bugs as a side item in my peanut butter. Thank
0: you very much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's good. So was there any was there any um, any country that you that you've been to that that you you couldn't eat the food that you just decided, you know, this isn't worth it?
1: Not yet. No? Okay. Not yet. I mean, there are things in those countries I would not eat. Like yet. street
0: food. Have you been? You've eaten oh, street yes, food. Oh, yes. I've eaten street food everywhere. Okay. And what's funny is that
1: E. coli case I got yeah. was when I was at an industry meeting at a five-star resort in Cancun. Oh, and, wow. and the, Okay. And we took all the meals at the property. The only thing we did off property is enjoy adult beverages. Right. I'm keeping this appropriate still for those <laughs> in our listenership that are not of adult age. But, um but, yeah, I've eaten street food all over the world. I've uh, have, have eaten things and then went, that's a hard pass. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I've been into dinners as the guest of honor in Chinese international hotels in South South China mm-hmm. where you walk in the door of the restaurant and it's like, oh, look at that petting zoo. Oh, it's not a petting zoo. I get it now. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> birds and monkeys and the fish tanks are always there in oh, those yeah. restaurants. And yep. as we walked in, I turned to my... Um, my friend from Hong Kong, who had drugged me up to this place as the guest of honor, this was one of his jokes, uh, I said, Ray, you know me, I'll eat a lot of stuff. Uh, you can tell them to leave the monkey brains behind. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of interesting and good food everywhere. Lovely. lovely. And often it's the street food and the dives that are the best and the most memorable. Yeah. Yep. Although right. I have eaten dinner atop the Burj El Arab in Dubai, the seven-star hotel, uh, that has mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. dining um, facility or the you know the um, white tablecloth restaurant on the ninetieth floor. So
0: I get I get weak in the knees when I go in an elevator. I anymore I, I don't know. I it's just a, I really can't do it. I don't like heights. I, anymore I you either. go if I if I get into an <laughs> elevator and I know I'm going I'm going up. I just can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't do it. I need you need to put like. Uh, I don't know, a helmet on me and, and <laughs> strap me into a seat yeah. and then I'll be okay. Maybe, you know, but I just, there's something about that. But you, you travel all over the place. You're well, in, you're in an airplane seat all the time. Well, I used to be,
1: I mean, yeah. the travel in recent years, I, I pulled myself off the travel game so that I could be there for my two sons. Yeah. Who are now 25 and 22 Yep, and launched. Mm-hmm. And so I'm ready to get back to the travel game some. Yeah. But maybe a bit more for enjoyment because most of what I did was travel for work. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I did right. go to places including conflict zones like Iraq yeah. um, during the Iraqi freedom effort. So mm-hmm. I've seen some things that make me greatly appreciate everything we have here.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I wish
1: other folks had that opportunity
0: to get that perspective. Yeah, perspective's yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we we want to thank Kevin. Uh, yeah, it was fun. He, yeah, for coming in and and uh, and I talking think, to I us. I think about... we ran
1: over. <laughs> right. Well,
0: we we still have more to go. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, we want to thank Kevin for for coming in, and uh, Kevin's actually getting ready to leave. So no, he's he's going to stay for a while. <laughs> we're we're uh, you know we we uh, we were so happy to have him back as our SurfSafe uh, instructor, and uh, and I know he's going to uh, going to impart some of that. Uh, wisdom and information to the students that come into the program. So if you're thinking about getting into the culinary program, this um, uh, Kevin Scott here will be uh, definitely a knowledgeable person that you'll be able to talk to and, and uh, bend his ear a little bit and find out all this serve safe information. He's been doing it for how many decades now? Oh, uh, 15 years. 15 years. Nice. (laughs) All right. So, uh, He's amazing. Uh, I've known I've known him for all those years, at least, right? And then it's uh, I don't even know how many years, but Kevin Kevin's been uh, I've been his sidekick. He's been my sidekick, and we've uh, we've we've just done done a lot a lot in the food industry together. Matter of fact, we were what in Chicago couple of, what
1: years and years you, you and i got a tom cruise wanted to picture with us we did that? that's yeah. right that's right oh no wait a second he was on the billboard, <laughs> on the billboard behind, behind us on the so building but we yes. took the picture
0: yeah. said like he was in between us it's a famous famous picture that we posted while while back but correct uh, on funny. our times in chicago so that that'll just lead us to our next uh segment which is into the dish pit And we're staying with food safety since uh, food safety is, uh, is a big thing around here right now. And we'll always remain that way. Mm-hmm, very right? much so. And, uh, and Kevin knows this. And, you know, they've changed this. Now, I want Kevin to chime in on this because I find this a little bit confusing. It, the, TS, the TCS. Now, this wasn't <laughs> TCS. And it was a lot easier to remember before, but now it's, now it's not. Because now it stands for time-temperature control for safety. But what was it before? It's you know when I when I got into the business those 15
1: plus years about yeah you know, over 15 years ago it was potentially hazardous food. Right. And I thought that was pretty straightforward and clear to understand. Right. But um, there's some reading I did recently on this, and I wish the heck that I had known we were going to talk about it up front because I could have dug it up and brought it. <laughs> We'll we'll put that in the parking lot for a future okay. time if you Glad have me back.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> but they, so essentially what happens, you know, with the information that is uh, in the FDA's food code, the food code is the guidance document for food safety. The states and local jurisdictions, depending on the size and scope, take the food code and write law. So food code's not law. It's recommendations. Right. The law is at the local level. And depending on how large the jurisdiction you can, we have a law for in i'm from virginia so i'll use virginia because i don't want to misspeak about west virginia but virginia has a statewide code and then the larger jurisdictions like fairfax arlington prince william the, the the bigger counties and such have their own code and so the the tcs side of things started as potentially hazardous foods And through the update of the food code, there's a group called the Conference for Food Protection, or CFP. And I'm a member of CFP. I just went to my first CFP biennial Congress, as we call it, uh, three weeks ago in Houston. And it was interesting to be a part of one because I'd never had the chance to – and essentially what that does, there's three councils within the CFP that address issues within food safety. And these are worked up from professionals, from advocates, from the industry, from everybody, and they get pushed into three different councils that have three different kind of focuses or directions. And then those recommendations are then voted on by the, the delegate body that is like the Congress of CFP to get forwarded to FDA. So CFP was the one that took potentially hazardous and they wanted to get more specific about what potentially hazardous meant. Okay. And that's why you got to time temperature control for safety, even though it's a bit misleading because shouldn't it be TTCS? Right. Uh I mean, so, but in some cases it could be time or temperature control for safety, Mm -hmm. depending on what, I mean, it's so it is, so it is what it is. It's TCS foods. And so everything that is done in the food code that, that the, the CFP works on is science-driven. Okay. It is a science-driven organization. The decisions ultimately are based on what is the best science of the time. Okay. And that's why you'll see changes going on. Like forever, we were forty to one forty. Yes, yeah. On true. the temperature mm-hmm. danger zone, below forty, above one forty, mm-hmm. and now it's forty one to one thirty five. Right. And that is because what they found in science findings and research and stuff that says, hey, you've got an extra degree, and you got five degrees on the top end. Yeah. And of course, so that is why that's changing. Now the states, the jurisdictions can take that information. And they can use that or they can say, you know what, we're good at 40 to 140, which is why you'll find that in code in jurisdictions.
0: So that's a variable. So each 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 specific uh, county can come up with their own.
1: So depending on the size of the jurisdiction, it starts at the state level. Does it
3: depend on population size?
1: Well, it depends on the size of government. And how big the governmental organization is. So the larger counties have the ability, the resources, and the staffing to have their own food code. There's about 3,300 sets of food code law in this country mm. by jurisdiction That's so you start at the state level and then you break it down so in virginia for example we have a state code and then areas like where i live down in, near winchester the lord fairfax health district they take and they have that is the district and we use the state code mm. but you jump across the mountain to loudon county and the bigger counties and the cities and they've written their own law okay and there can be differences mm. from one county to the next mm. definitely from one state to the next like Virginia's glove use law is different than Maryland's glove use law mm, and West wow. Virginia's sandwich in between. But No, I
0: mean, no, uh, no, no, no uh, champion for parity any, in any and any It's just everything is just so,
1: you know, boy, one can dream yeah. <laughs> that we could be consistent across the country. Yeah, because it becomes a challenge for the larger multi-unit organizations right. because, again, so they basically have to get very hyper-local in understanding their law. And I dealt with this all the time at ServSafe when I managed 60 national accounts. Yeah. And I had, I had Duncan, I had Five Guys, I had uh, Golden Coral, as I yeah. call it. I had the barrel, <laughs> as we affectionately call Cracker Barrel. And, and so they were national company, global yeah. in some right. cases. Mm-hmm. So they have to get high. And I would say, well, what do, what do we do here? I said, know your local law. Yep. Talk to your jurisdiction. Yep. Talk to your health inspector. That's my best advice to you. Good
0: advice, good advice. mm -hmm. And uh, so that's our food safety segment. Not too bad. Yeah, just
1: keep hot food hot, cold food cold. (laughs) And in that 41 to 135, really move quickly through 70 to 125 because that's your hyper-growth zone for the bacteria that we have to be worried about. Salmonella, E. coli, Listeria.
0: Yeah, and that's something that we... Or (laughs) Shigella, sorry. Well, and that's something that we apply every day, mm-hmm. you know, and what we do.
3: Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you I have mean, to be and, very cognizant.
0: Yeah, and the students obviously are way, way much a part of that. So, you know, they, they get applied training every day that they're in class. So. Right,
1: especially when you get into the two-stage cooling yep. yes. side it, of their education, Chef.
3: It is interesting, though, that um, when you, with the effect that COVID had on the buffet. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. I would be surprised to, or, or interested to find out, if the number of foodborne in illnesses went down during that time, not only because people were not in restaurants, but people were just not eating buffet right. at all, yeah. right? Because that time issue, yeah. that is crucial, right? For, and you need a manager right there saying all the time, okay, this has got to get changed out, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: So I got a bit of an insight on that. If yeah, yeah sure, go. Yeah, okay. Go. So so this is information from a really good friend of mine that I want to recognize, a guy named Dr. Hal King. And Hal King um, is one of the most respected, revered epidemiologist, food safety professionals in the country. Wow. Um, he's been a big part. When Chipotle had the big problem in 2015, oh, it's yeah, been I eight remember years, that. 2015, wow. mm-hmm. Hal was one of the people that helped them come out of that and write their documents and protocols and stuff. Mm-hmm. But. Hal told me a snippet through COVID and we're good friends about, um, I'm not sure about, well, obviously all foodborne illness cases were down huge, right. uh, norovirus, which is one of the two viruses we look out for is the number one cause of all, all foodborne illness outbreaks because it's so contagious and because it's spread by us as people to other people and boom, boom, boom. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it blows through everything. Schools.
0: Yep. Cruise ships, uh, everything, yeah, everything where there's a yeah. group of people. Yeah.
1: But during the time that COVID hit, and of course, e- everything was locked up, locked down, we weren't gathering and stuff, the number of documented norovirus foodborne outbreak illness cases went from around 500 down to below 20. Wow.
0: That's
1: and that's because we were not gathering right, yeah. and we weren't spreading our icky germs all over the place. <laughs> um, you know, because n- noro is roughly about 10 times or so more contagious than even COVID was. Wow. Is. Okay. Give That's you an idea of how easy it spreads. And it sits on surfaces and just waits for yep. you to pick it up <laughs> as I rub <rubbed> Steve's arm. <laughs> right.
0: <you know. laughs> and now I'm neurovirused. <laughs> Maybe I, I got it from you. Well, hey, you know, it's, you know, I, I heard this. It uh, was an article I think I was reading about a cruise ship, and uh, they couldn't find where the where the illness came from. And they w- wound up finding out that the there was neurovirus found on the banisters of the stairs. Correct. Yeah, do you, it, remember it, that one? I well, you remember I, that one?
1: That's one of many that yeah. are very similar in the way.
0: Nobody would clean the banisters on the, on the stairs, really? yeah, and everybody, somebody would touch it. You know, you think about it, even in your house. Think about it. If you have an upstairs and you have banisters, how many come times down. do you actually yeah. clean it? Yeah. yeah, Right? Who knows what's on that? <laughs> All right? Let's go home and clean them.
2: Right? <laughs> that's a word of wisdom for <laughs> Especially if you today. want me to come over.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I said, keep challenging your immune system every day, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So uh, our next segment. Tool of the week. This, of the is, week. this is always a, a fun segment to get into. Am I still here for that? No. You can still stay. <laughs> Kevin still wants to leave. He's got a soccer tournament to go to. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so, uh, our tool of the week is the ice cream scoop. And um, how can an ice cream scoop uh, help you with your diet? Right? Because we're always going to scoop ice cream. And a lot of times over here, we, cook, we, we scoop cookies. Yeah. Right? Uh, and it's great for portion control. So that's the big thing. The big thing is about is about portion control. So if you are thinking about dieting, uh, if you use scoops, uh, and it's not an attractive look, right? Especially if well, if you're in a cafeteria setting, I mean, yeah, maybe so, but <laughs> it's not it's not an attractive look. But it is very good for portion control. Yeah. Um, especially if you want to scoop out mashed potatoes or some sort of. Uh, yeah,
3: but it doesn't even have to be for dieting, right. just for building a healthy plate, right? Right. You know, you've got, you want to use the larger scoop yep. for those vegetables, mm-hmm. have the vegetables half of your plate, right? And then you can use the smaller scoop for your um, carbs and, um, you know, one in between for your proteins.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you're, if you're familiar with the, uh, with an ice cream scoop and what an ice cream scoop looks like, the, there's numbers on ice cream scoops and those numbers, uh, you know. Uh, correlate to to what what the size of the ounce is on the serving so say if you wanted to do a, a number four scoop a number four scoop would be equivalent to eight ounces or one cup you know and then there's and then there's there's Tons and tons of numbers that you could use. And there's actually, Joel, maybe you can help us out where this might, where, where people might, that are hearing this might be able to get this.
2: Yeah, in the description, there should be a thing that says show notes. Anybody click on that. You'll see the recipe of the week as well as the infograph for this. Yeah.
0: yeah, so if you're, and if you're, you know, dieting, this is perfect. So if you're thinking about, also too, another quick tip, because I was a former big guy. Uh, back in the day, you're and still the big guy. I'm to me. still the big guy, I'm still the big guy, but I'm not, I'm not big, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm and that's, figurative big. Yes, but and that's fine, you know. But the thing is, is, um, you know, portion control is very important. Um, but fool yourself too, because sometimes you have to fool yourself. And mm-hmm. I, I, when I, when I eat, I always use the smallest plate possible. <laughs> I don't get the biggest plate. So um, you know, and if you fill your small plate up it's it and you eat that you feel good about it you feel like okay i finished it i'm I'm good i'm done but if you take a big plate and you fill that up and you finish that you're usually going to be bloated and right. you know, and it's just it's, it's just not good yeah so um a little trick is get a small plate every time you go to if you go to a buffet when the buffets open up again i know some of them have um you know it's it's the way to go you know do that uh, and on the other hand too I had a friend that uh, went to uh, probably, I think it was Cancun as well. Um, and uh, they got a plate of carpaccio and they put carpaccio on a big, this big plate. And then there was this little thing of carpaccio, which is the meat and the toast and a couple other little things, maybe a slice of cheese here and there. And it was. You can almost not see it on the plate. <laughs> so, so don't use big plates. <laughs> use small plates, even for, for presentation. I know a lot of folks do and a lot of chefs do, and that's great. But it's, there's got to be a balance.
1: And if you do go back to the buffet, please get a clean plate. Don't take the dirty plate back to the buffet.
0: Yeah, so
3: that's that's a exactly. good words of wisdom there. Uh, I had to challenge yeah, I a new plate. But it's also interesting, too, that as, uh, over the entire industry – we have started to move away from those huge portions. Remember the Emerola lagasse size portions. Yeah, and um, and so yes, just more and more companies are just bringing their portion size in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's better. I mean, if you go to Europe, you you see that all the time. I mean, they give you good sized portions for you know just to, enough to fill you. I mean, then you walk and you do more. But I mean, in the United States, a lot of a lot of people just haven't gotten on that bandwagon yet.
3: You don't ask for a doggy bag in France.
0: Yeah. They'll put a dog in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So our our next segment is a recipe of the week. Miriam, can you talk about the recipe of the week? Because you, you have a close ties to this one.
3: Yeah, I do. Um, we recently did the Taste of Blue Ridge event, and right. we'll get into that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but at this time of the year, the, the theme of it was West Virginia Harvest. And so at this time of the year, there is not a lot to harvest. but In our greenhouse, Blue Ridge Greenhouse, we actually had radishes coming up. So um, the entire menu was a Hafsen Pfeffer, which is a uh, rabbit stew, and um, it's marinated in wine and vinegar, so it's quite sour. And so I needed something to be a counterpoint to that. And um, with the help of the students, we came up with this honey radish uh, recipe that is unbelievably simple. And the response that we got at the event was just phenomenal. You know, who knew you could cook radishes? Oh, yeah. But there you go. Yeah. So that's going to be up on the uh, show notes yeah. as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm going to check that one out. Yeah,
3: yeah, and it's just so incredibly simple. Just really enjoy it. And you can use radishes right out of the store or yeah. the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what shape they are, doesn't matter what color they are. Right. Just have some fun with it.
0: Yeah. The, the culinary, uh, uh, greenhouse here is, is amazing. And, um, our chef John, you know, runs that. And, uh, with, with some of his other chefs that work over at the, uh, at the Academy and, uh, and it's, it's, it's saved us a lot and produce over the, the years that we've had it. And, um, it's, um, the radishes were great, right? They
3: were, they were fantastic.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. So our, our, Next to last segment, <laughs> I guess, right before Kevin leaves, because he's got a he's got to hurry up and go. Um, it, food on film, right? Food on film, foodie movies. I'm excited about this. Reality <laughs> I so and about social this. media. So I I chose I chose a, a gentleman, uh, Asian comedian actually, and if you get a chance to see this person. Just Google him, or just go on YouTube and just type his name, Uncle Roger.
3: Oh, it comes mm-hmm. up right away. Yeah. He's the top <laughs> one.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. You and, know what his real name is, though? Uh, Nigel. But N- Nigel. Nigel mm. Nigel mm, NG Nigel mm. so yeah. so Nigel came up with this character Uncle Roger and and uh, uh honestly I, d- I didn't know anything about it until like <laughs> two weeks ago. Is definitely that right?
1: Had, You've been missing
0: out yeah, dog. Yeah, definitely no, a
2: caricature over the top yeah. Uh, oh, over yeah.
0: over the top, over the top. And and really really and the, th- the good thing about it is is that he destroys famous chefs on their cooking techniques <laughs> yeah. online, yeah. and uh, one of the one of his nemesis is, is uh, Jamie Oliver. And, it's and if you haven't caught the Jamie Oliver, <laughs> uh, well, Roger Uncle yeah. Roger thing, it's, it's it's something to behold. I know uh, Miriam saw it and she was laughing like every every couple I of was. seconds. Oh, yeah. he he
1: also loves the like Nigella Lawson. Yes. yeah he loves to go after her too and right. of course it's it's when they're doing Asian dishes yeah, yeah. Oh, of course right. he pans well, that's them. His focus. Yeah. right yeah. well, he's Malaysian right by heritage yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and he, the the best thing about it is he calls everybody he's Uncle Roger he calls everybody his nieces and nephews yeah. <laughs> <a> nephew and, <laughs> and, and you know if he's not um he's not hurting for people so if you don't want to follow him you don't you don't have to but he's got he's got over 7.5 million followers yeah. on YouTube and that's like crazy, amazing.
2: It's, I've seen him like critique like younger chefs and just yeah. be like super sweet about it, like oh you're doing great, yeah, like yeah. oh great job. <laughs> like I wouldn't have done that, but that was really good. You yeah, know? yeah. But then when it like Jamie Oliver, he's just ripping him a new one. You know, he's like really going after him. So yeah. it's fun. He has he has. Some he can be complimentary on some. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> have he have was you seen the a segments? little
3: complimentary on the, Gordon Ramsay's? Yeah, cracker. he actually was. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. Listen, have mm-hmm. you
1: seen the segments where he goes and works? in like a food court food or a four stall food truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes he goes, You don't want meat? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Right. What's wrong no. What's yeah. wrong with you? Right. Yeah. I'm so sad
0: you're a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. I, Is this pork halal? Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> <Exactly. Yeah>. he's <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely funny. Uh, and, uh, yeah. you know, so a comedian and he, him, I'm sure he, do, he does stand up all around the country. But mm-hmm. I just became aware of him uh, through the food videos that we've seen. And it's um, it's he's very funny. So yeah. please, 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 if you get an opportunity, just look him up. Um, I can say he's not for everybody. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. but you just watch a little bit. And uh, and I think he's I think he's absolutely entertaining. Very, well, very entertaining. Well. As long as
3: he's panning Jamie Oliver, yeah, yeah. Mary doesn't like Jamie Oliver. I can't stand him. And it's the nothing Scottish personal. Engl-
1: it's a Scottish English thing, right? He's
3: this <laughs> charming man, I'm sure, and he's a really wonderful chef. Yeah. As soon as he opens his mouth, I want to put my foot through the TV. <laughs> he has this punsy little English voice, and it just drives me insane. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I think with the Uncle Roger thing, like it might not be for everybody but since he does have so many followers and it's, it, it brings a an audi- audience to culinary, you know, like, yeah. and you get to talk about the process of things. And, and it might make someone interested in, in egg fried rice and trying it out themselves, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's fun. They might watch a couple of videos and like, oh, I had an idea. Like, maybe I'll try this. So, like, yep. I think it's just another way to bring more attention to it and yeah, it is, get people excited about it. But it is a fun uh, yeah. a fun little
0: Well, quick food quick. is entertaining. I mean, oh, and people sure, love to watch it now. <laughs> it's it's become, I think it's more popular now than watching movies. Yeah. You know, people always mm-hmm. watch it on their Instagram. Instagram feed or Facebook feed or any feed yeah. that they have, you know, uh, and it's just so popular now. Yeah, that's wild. Part the of way.
3: this, part about being a chef though, or or being a cook of any mm-hmm. kind, you got to be prepared to take the criticism, right? Oh, because yeah. Yeah. it's gonna happen. You cannot please everybody all of the time, and you have to be able to grow a thick skin and mm-hmm. believe in yourself and be able to let it just roll off.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, so we've reached our we've reached our wow moment of the uh, of the episode, which is our words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. So, um, I'm I've said these before, but I'm going to say them both again. Okay, never go to the grocery store on an empty stomach, and if you uh, reach for a falling star, you can reach for a falling star, but never reach for a falling knife. Right. Very good words of wisdom. Right. Right. And I want to thank you, and I want to thank Kevin and Chef Miriam and Joel for for being part of. Of this great podcast i think this is one of the better ones that we've done so <laughs> i think this is really good kevin gave us a lot of really great information it was a blast i really enjoyed it, it. fun to catch up yeah. with all
1: my old friends and make a new one Joel. yeah
0: great so idea. thank you so much for joining us uh We hope that you enjoyed your time with us, insightful and entertaining. You want me to do a close? You can do a close. You want to do an
1: optional close? Do an (laughs) optional close.
0: This has been a What's Brewing" at the Culinary
1: Academy podcast, brought to you by the Academy of Hospitality and Culinary Arts at Blue Ridge Community and Technical College. You can listen to this and other podcasts with great chefs like Steve Weiss and Miriam Conroy, or follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google. We thank you for joining us.
0: Okay, nice. we have that on
3: tape, right? Yes, please please <laughs> okay. put that on. Yeah. tape. Yeah.